morning, church. It's so good to be with you. Uh, if you're new here today, we're so thrilled that you're here. And do you know what? It's one of, this is like, I think this is going to be the quietest Sunday of the year. Because like, we've had so many messages because people are on holiday, like Christian camps basically generally do it this weekend. But hey, this is a good number. It just shows how fast church has grown, uh, doesn't it? Thank you, I.O. Um, this is going to be a prop. I do hope I'm going to... Sorry? Thirsty? Oh. I don't know whether anybody's know, know, ever noticed about me, but I'm, I'm quite enthusiastic in worship. I'm not odd. I just love Jesus very much. And I love because he first loved me. And when I had that realisation, ah, oh, he first loved me. I just fell in love with him, yeah. even more than I already thought I was. I've just come home from a conference, and I said to somebody in the cafe before, I was like, I just fell in love with Jesus more than ever before. And when that happens to me, I always think, oh, Jesus, I stand in worship. God, Jesus, I couldn't love you anymore. But actually, I could. Yeah. I could love him even more. And so when you see me in worship, just being a bit, I'm not odd. I just love Jesus very much. Yeah. And it dawned on me that he loves me even more. So when we were away, worship was amazing because it, it's um, obviously for me and Barry in worship here as well, we're still mindful of things that we're responsible for. So to go away and be responsible for nothing, we have no children to be responsible for. They are all being fed spiritually in their own groups and things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just love to worship. So I get lost in worship. Come on up, Rachel. I had a whole new worship experience in one meeting. <laughs> and so did somebody else. So we're in this meeting, right? So there's friends of ours, and then there's Barry, and then there's me. And if anyone notices, don't panic, I didn't punch anybody in worship, by the way, I'm going to say this. I, I, you may do this, but sometimes when I worship, and I get really like, yes, I'll, mm, I'll clench my fist like this. So... There's friends, there's Barry, there's me, there's two spare seats. We're in the O2 arena, right? There's two spare seats. And then there's this, don't know him, haven't got a clue who he is. All I know is a network pastor because he was seated in our, air, seated in our area. He's worshipping with his arms in the air. I'm worshipping with my arms in the air. And Barry tells me to do this, and I'm now very, very conscious about what to do. Just drop your arms slightly. So we're worshipping like this. And so there's two seats, and I'm worshipping, hallelujah, hallelujah. I didn't realize how much I'd swayed because I'd probably done a bit of jumping in the middle of it. Uh, uh, and then comes a bit where I'm like, yes, and I clench my fist. <laughs> I'm holding a strange man's hand. So I go, I'm like, what do I do, what do I do? I should have just gone, amen. Like I was praying for him, I just went, back over to Barry like this. So we had a whole new worship experience and I'm saying to Barry later, we sat with friends and well, Barry wasn't, he was talking with the friends. So I was like, you will not believe what I did in worship this morning. I like clearly swayed too much. I'm like, I, I think I got lost in the spirit in the moment. Swayed too much, didn't realize my hand was over the top of a man. Clench my fist, boom, holding a stranger's hand. So then there's like uproar and everyone's laughing and Barry's saying to his friends, what are they all laughing about? And I told him, and he was like, that is because you do a weird sway in worship, Vicky. You just sway weird when you worship. So I'm like, so in the eve, and then when the man sat down, how embarrassing is this? There was two seats between us. He sat down and left three. <laughs> I'm like, 
look, mate, it was an accident, all right, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So he left her his seats. I'm like, well, that's just rude. But anyway, so Barry, so then, like, we went into the evening meeting. And I don't know whether this was planned, but I was sandwiched in between my friend Betsy and Barry, and there was no room for me to go anywhere. And in one of the songs, they actually were like, you know, like, sway, like, sway. I'm like, I ain't swaying, because I don't know where I'm going to end up and who I'm going to encounter. So that was my little worship experience. But you know something? I don't normally hold strangers' hands in worship, and now nobody wants to sit next to me, and that's all right. But, but listen, worship is the most wonderful thing, and it's okay to get lost in worship, in just love and wonder for who he is. I think this room is pretty full of people who just love Jesus very much. They just love Jesus very much because he first loved us. Every year we go to this conference, and there's 20,000 people in there. It's, it's packed, and our kids are all in different places of the arena and, and everything. We're generally always in the same spot. So we spend our first night, we probably spend, like, the first quarter trying to kid spot. Like, we're like, is that, is that there? Is it? Is it? And we do all this, and then we'll ring each other. We'll ring the kids. This is before the meeting starts, because you don't use your mobile in church. Ring the kids. <laughs> Eleanor! Eleanor, where are, where are you sat? Where are you sat? Where are you? Where are you? She's like, I'll, I'll wave at you, and then you can't see because there's 20,000 people. And, and then she'll go, I'll put my torch on so you can see. And I'm like, I'll flash mine. So I'm stood up in the middle of all these pastors. I think Barry's probably gone for coffee. Um, doing this. <laughs> like, and, and on the first night, I could see these other people looking at me going, like, what is she doing? And I'm like, where, Eleanor, where, El, El, have you seen it? Have you seen it, seen it? And so there's all these people, and you, the kids are trying to put torches on, I'm trying to flash torches at them, just to see where they are. Yeah. And on the last night, Sophie and Rachel are sat together up in the gods, and I think Melvin and Joshua hadn't made it maybe with them at this point. So Sophie rings me, she's like, where are you? So she says, I'll put my torch on, because this is what you do. We spend, like, like we're surprised I have any battery on our phone, because we spend it all on torches trying to find the children. And so there's this one picture, the very first one. Let me come down to show you this. So this is me trying to find Sophie. I'm sorry if this squeals. Oh, it's not up yet. It'll be up in a minute. This is me trying to find Sophie. I'm like, where is she? She's like, I'm going to put my torch on. I'm going to put my torch on. And as you look around, there's lots of children putting torches on for, for um, uh, the, the parents and that. And then she rings me, she says, can you see it? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I homed in. There is Rachel in the red skirt and the black top, and next to it, Sophie's got a torch in the air. And uh, do you know something? It's like that with God. Yeah. We are his kids, yeah. and he has his eye on us. It doesn't matter the multitude that you are in. It doesn't matter where you are at. His eye is on you yeah, and you know when we respond it's like we put the torch on yeah. and say god we're here yeah. it's not that he doesn't know where we are yeah. but that response from us to him is like sophie's response and then as the night progressed there was a worship song and then this happened sorry the photographs aren't great and that was just people worshiping jesus and they put the torch on and as i looked over that i thought this is like when people 
respond and draw close to him. Maybe that you've wandered away. Maybe you haven't wandered away. Maybe you're just feeling so consumed by stuff. But the moment it says if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And often we'll sit and say, God, where are you? God, do this. God, do that. But we're doing it from a place where we're way back here, praying to a God who we feel is way over there. And all we need to do is draw near to him. Because his eye is on us. He's never taken his eye off us. But the minute we do that and we draw near, it's like all those lights when his kids suddenly draw near. It's like all the lights go on, the message goes out, God, God, I'm here. God, I want to interact with you. God, I want to be in your presence. God, I want to hear from you. And I pray that our hearts for this word are just that. That we have those torch moments right now at the outset where we say, God, this is where I am. And I am positioning myself to hear from you today. I'm not going to sit back there and go, go on then, God. Go on. I've waited years for this healing. Go on then, God. What have you got to say? No, no, what we do is we say, okay, God, this is where I feel like I'm at, but I'm going to come here. And I'm ready to hear. And I'm ready to listen. And I'm ready to receive everything that you've got. Last week, for the first time, we said something at the beginning of our preaches and we made a declaration together. And I want to do that again this week because in doing this declaration at the beginning of the preach, what we're doing is we're drawing near in unity to God and saying, through your word, God, I'm going to be changed Through your word, I will be changed. My life will be changed. I will be set free. And it's a declaration and a position in ourselves and a turning on of the light of I'm drawing near to you right at the outset of your word being preached. It's going to go up on the screen. Can we say it together? Would you say it with me? Listen to the words. I'm going to just quickly read them and then we're going to read them together. I am a child of God. That is a declaration of who you are in Christ. I am. I'm a child of God. When you say that over yourself, it reminds the enemy of who you are. Because he knows who you are. He just hopes you forgot. So when you say it, you're like, "Uh -uh, actually, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I am a child of God. So I am entitled to all the benefits that brings. Wow. Right now, I'm ready to listen. I'm drawing near. I'm putting on the light to all that God has to say to me and to respond. Because here's the thing, it's all right, taking it all in, taking it all in. What do we do with it? To respond with faith, belief, and be changed by his word. I need to be changed. I need to be changed more than I needed to be changed yesterday and the day before because every day I'm seeing where I fall short of the glory of God but he has saved me and he has set me free. So I am entitled to all the benefits of being a child of God. Shall we stand? Let's wake ourselves up a little bit if we've got a little bit sleepy in the heat. Heat? Is the heat? Yeah, I think there is. Ready? After three. One, two, three. I am a child of God, so I am entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, 
believe and be changed by his word. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We are in agreement and we are off. Our life is full of decisions. I don't think, well, I know. Like, there's not a day I go through where I don't make decisions. I have decisions to make about every single area of my life, some bigger, some smaller. Life is constantly bringing situations our way. Even the smallest of decisions can have a large consequence if we don't quite get the decision right. Life brings decisions our way. It's unavoidable. Even the small ones are still decisions. And the title of my message today is what room are you in? And that makes no sense to you. And I get it, and that's okay. Because by the end of it, it will. And you will know what room you are in. What room are you in? There are many rooms that our situations can lead us to. And our choice is what takes us in. Situations will lead us to rooms But the choice that we make in the situation determines whether we step into the room or stay out of the room. If you think about it, hurt can lead to bitterness. When we've been hurt, the choice we make in that moment, in that situation of hurt, determines whether we enter the room of bitterness and take residence there. Lack of confidence or feeling overlooked can lead us to jealousy. Loneliness can lead us to isolation because sheer loneliness itself is a trap because you want to be with people, you want to be friends, but the loneliness has you trapped. So you just think the best thing to do is accept your lot. And that leads to the room of isolation. Finance. Maybe you're in a financial crisis today or it feels like a crisis and I want you to know that God has the answer. But you stand in that situation, the choice that you make, the choice that I make is the thing that takes us into the room of death. Sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not for me to point my finger at anybody else who slipped, who's done anything wrong. But the problem is when we do and we realize that we've fallen short, we enter the room of shame and we sit in the room of shame and that, oh, I hope nobody finds out. And that room can trap us But what I want to say to you is, it's not the act of what's happened. It's not the situation. It's the choice that we make in that moment of what to do with it that will take us through the door and into a room. And that room will have a name. And once you are in that room, it is not impossible to get out because nothing is impossible with God. Truth will bring you out of that room. But what I want to talk about today are the decisions we make and what happens when we're in the right room as opposed to the wrong room. I want to look at some characters out the Bible of who chose a room 
and what the outcome of that room was. You know, for some people in here today, maybe where your life is at, have you ever driven along the motorway and you've seen some people who just put their indicator on and they just move to the next lane? And then you see some people who go, ah, because I'm out to miss the turning. Or is that just me because I sit in the wrong car? I'm only kidding. He's not a bad driver. It's a very good driver. But today we've got to take hold of the steering wheel of our lives. Take hold of the steering wheel of the situations that are presented to us. And whether we need to do a little minor adjustment or whether we need to grab hold of the steering wheel because we know we're just about to end up in a room and we have to swerve, either way, it's possible to grab hold of your vehicle and turn it around and enter the right room. There's three people I want to talk about today and these people chose to get in a room with Jesus. What room are you in today? What, I'm not talking about salvation. I am a born-again Christian and I have been for many years and I'm a follower of Jesus and I love him with all my heart. But sometimes I make a choice that takes me into a wrong room. This isn't about salvation. This is about when the enemy sets traps for us, when situations arise. Let's be in a room with Jesus. What room do we sit in today? The first person I want to look at today, we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. On a side note, can I just say something to you? You know when I shared last week how God had spoken to me and Barrier a few months ago and about how the next phase of growth for the church is going to come because people are going to see that Jesus is here. When I read that, it leapt in my spirit because they heard that Jesus was in town and they flocked to the point where they were full to overflowing even outside the building. You know, if it was a church service, they'd be having to put more and more services on. That's a, it's on a side note, but I want to bring it in line with what God has, has spoken to me and Barry about what's coming for the church. It says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. So this man had spent life being paralyzed, not being able to move, not being able to get anywhere, not being able to go anywhere. Really, he was silenced by his condition. And sometimes spiritually, we feel silenced. We feel paralyzed by a condition or by a situation. Here's the thing. Before Jesus ever told him to get up and walk, see, Jesus knew what was most important. My child, your sins are forgiven. If something is paralyzing you today, 
and you feel shame, you feel like you've messed up, Jesus is saying today, my child, your sins are forgiven. You see, the physical needed to follow the spiritual. And it's so true what Barry said earlier. There is something going to happen in our midst. And some things are presenting with a physical stance, with physical symptoms. But if as a church, like we talked last week about Ananias and Sapphira and the revival that came after that, was because the church, the people, the ecclesia, they, they looked to the spiritual before the physical. The, the physical will follow the spiritual. But the most important thing here was that through his faith, Jesus said, my child. The man didn't even speak. He didn't say, Jesus, will you forgive me? But Jesus knew the most important thing this man needs above anything else is spiritual. And so Jesus says that your sins are forgiven and still lay on a mat. All the work his mates have gone to, to lower him through. And he still lay on a mat. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Don't worry about what people are thinking. Don't worry about what people are thinking. It's all in hand. God's got it. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus turned to the paralyzed man who had come in, desperately wanted to walk, and basically been told he'd been forgiven, which wasn't what he went in for. And then he's laying here, and then there's this conversation going over from the negative people to Jesus, and, and he just wanted to be healed. He just wanted to walk out the room. And he's just lay. And this is going on. All this negative stuff's going on around him. But you know, the most important thing was, he was in the room with Jesus. That was all that mattered. He was in the room with Jesus. And Jesus turned and said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up. He didn't go, Jesus, are you sure? (laughs) Uh, What I'll do is I'll just get on my hands and knees first and just see how that goes. He was like, no, I've been in the room with Jesus. He's forgiven me and he's healed me. He could not contain himself. Church, I believe the church needs a wake up and a shaking off of the tradition of, oh, let's just keep it all okay. Oh, he jumped up. Somebody met me in the corridor this morning. They were like, Vicky, I've had a healing. I was like, you need to tell everybody. We need to get it out there that you've had a healing. 
He grabbed his mat and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. The ones that were maybe waiting patiently in the queue that they might get to see Jesus. They'd rip the seal off, a little bit like what's happened in our ladies' toilets. <laughs> they were stunned. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. He just needed to get in the room with Jesus. He needed to move from the place of being paralyzed, trapped in a space where he couldn't get out of, and he just needed, and he knew, I just need to get in a room with Jesus. And so he found mates surrounded by good people who were like, you're stuck. We'll take you to the room where Jesus is. Surround yourself with people who will put you in the room with Jesus when you feel like you can't get there yourself. Because all that is needed for any of us is to choose the room with Jesus in. The next one, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 38. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. You can almost imagine it because he clearly felt that he was eligible for a meal with Jesus. Could Jesus come in? Jesus, come and have dinner with me. (laughs) I've got all the knowledge. You will not believe the discussions me and Jesus are going to have together. Jesus is coming to tea. (laughs) So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, I'm just going to repeat that. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there. Do you remember the paralyzed man? He heard Jesus was there. She heard Jesus was there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Jesus is on the floor. And she gets behind him at his feet. This paralyzed man ended up at the feet of Jesus. You could never imagine, and I could never imagine, what happens at the feet of Jesus. And she sat behind him, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This lady was so thankful. She didn't come in with a request. The paralyzed man did, and that was okay. She just came in to love on him because she knew what she had been forgiven for. She just loved him because he first loved her. She just loved him. And while she's there, a few similarities. Because while she's there, 
at the feet of Jesus, weeping and crying. And I can't imagine being in that room and misjudging it so wrong. <laughs> she's weeping. She's brought this such an expensive gift to the feet of Jesus. And you can almost hear her saying, I just love you. Jesus, I just love you. Jesus, you are everything to me. I'm just so thankful. I just, I'm just bringing this because I just love you. And while she's doing this, guess what? The negative people pipe up. And basically, rip her to shreds and do a character assassination on her. But you know, for her, she's just at the feet of Jesus. And when you're at the feet of Jesus, it can all go on around you. Because in his presence, in his presence, all she was bothered about was loving on Jesus. Yeah. Loving on Jesus. And in verse 47, he speaks to the people who had completely <laughs> got it wrong and completely missed the moment. And he says this, I tell you, her sins... And they are many. Because he started off going to Jesus like, do you know who she is? She's immoral. Do you know what she's like? So Jesus is like, I've got it. Yeah, it's all right. I'm on it. He said, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. She just needed to be in the room with Jesus because she was so thankful. Yeah. Because she was so thankful. Her realization of what he had done for her just meant she wanted to be in the room with Jesus. And she moved from the place where people scorned her and knew of her past and to a place where she was sat at the feet of someone who knew of her past, but it was okay. And she just loved Jesus. Then in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, there came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's listening to what he taught. Mary was hungry to know more of Jesus. She was hungry. Martha, bless her, I'm sure she meant well, but she was really wanting to impress Jesus. She was wanting, I'm not saying she came from that kind of heart, but by putting on this lavish, she wanted to bless him. But as she begins to speak in a moment, you will see that actually she's quite disgruntled. So is the heart to lavish on Jesus? Or is it to present something grand? Whereas Mary, she just sat at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. 
She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? <laughs> I don't know whether she thought Jesus was going to go, actually I do. <laughs> Mary, get up. Get, go and help cook the dinner. Jesus was never going to do that. Because he knew what happens at the feet of Jesus. Because not of who he was, but because of what he was pouring out. He knew what was he was pouring out. And in the room with Jesus, he pours out. He pours out everything we need. And so Martha's having a bit of a gripe. She's not very happy. My sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. Jesus, tell her. Just tell her. Tell her to get her act together. But the Lord said to her, Oh, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset above all, over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. When we sit in the room with Jesus, what he pours into us will not be taken away. It will not be taken away. He will not take it away from us. Mary, she was hungry. And even though there was a whole load of stuff that should have been going on, she was just resting in the truth. She was just resting in the truth that is Jesus. You see, we've had... Three different people who have entered a room. They have moved themselves from one room to another. Maybe before Jesus arrived, Mary was in the kitchen. But she moved herself from that room into the room where Jesus was and she sat at his feet. The paralyzed man moved himself from the room where he'd been stuck and he got his friends to bring him. And he placed himself in a room with Jesus at the feet of Jesus. The woman with the alabaster box, she took herself from where she was at because she knew, I need to be in a room with Jesus. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus because of all he's done for me. It was almost a case of, Jesus, if you never do anything else for me, you've already done enough. You've already done enough, but Jesus publicly exalts her he exalts her. He lifts her up. You see, when we're in the presence of Jesus, it's not a quick fix. When we're in the presence of Jesus and we sit at his feet, his peace pours over us. And it just keeps coming. His wisdom pours over us. His love pours over us. It's a constant stream. It's not a quick squirt. It's a constant stream. What do you need peace for today? What situation are you in where you need peace? Where do you need joy? 
What do you need from Jesus? Because when you just dash in the room and you dash back out, you'll get her. But when you settle at the feet of Jesus, just keeps coming because he never runs dry. It just keeps coming. What room are you in today? Because the room I'm talking about, I'm talking about getting in a room with Jesus. I'm talking about living in a room with Jesus. I'm talking about when situations come, the choice we make determines the room we enter. And when a situation comes, when we're in a room with Jesus, and we're letting him just flow over us, and wash over us, and flood us, and we're carrying his peace with us wherever we go. When the enemy comes in to attack and thoughts come in, we can speak to those thoughts and say, no, his peace. He's the prince of peace. His peace passes all understanding. Oh, his joy never ends. And though I may be found with this, I am being saturated in the presence of God because he never runs dry. It's a constant. He never runs dry. You know, I was at conference the other night and I was in a moment in the worship. Not where I was holding people's hands, by the way. But I was in a moment in the worship. I'm going to just turn this off for a minute because there's no one to hold it. Okay, thank you. And while I was in that moment, the enemy came in. And there was a line in a song. Can you hold that? Oh, here's Rachel as well. There was a moment in a song and it said this, you are broken. It wasn't a negative song, it was a beautiful song. But this one line stood out to me, you are broken. And at that moment, a conversation began to happen in my head. And I'm stood with my arms in worship. And I felt a voice say to me, you are broken. And I said, no, I'm not. And this voice went, yeah, you are. Because maybe there's reasons why in the natural I should be broken. But this voice kept saying to me, you are broken. You are broken. I'm going, I'm not. I'm not. So I have this battle. I'm not. I am not broken. So then the voice changed. But you should be. Are you just hard? In that moment, I could have gone, maybe I am. Maybe I am just hard. And I'm not being real and honest. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not broken because I choose to sit in a room with Jesus and the stream of his peace saturates me. It drenches me because I choose. So therefore, I'm not broken. And the next night, a preacher spoke and he talked about a table that the Lord has set for us. Like it talks in Psalm 23, that's what he spoke on. And he said, this table that the Lord set in the midst of your enemies... You haven't set it and invited Jesus to it. He set it for you. And you can sit at the table and you can dine with him. He said, but here's the thing. 
the enemy will try and pull up a seat and he'll just ask you a question just to try and make you doubt and instantly I knew what sort of gone on in the worship the night before I was like he tried to pull a seat up to my table he tried and many times I'd have engaged with it but I've just got wise to the enemy's tactics and I pray that I always stay in the presence of God where his wisdom will drench me and his peace will drench me and his strength will drench me and his power will drench me. Thankfulness flows. Miracles flow. Wisdom flows. Forgiveness flows. Joy flows. Whatever you need today, church, can we stand to our feet? Whatever we need today, it is found in the presence of God. Whatever you need today, it is found in the room with Jesus. Because he never, ever, ever runs dry. He will not give you a squirt. If you go in and take yourself out and you feel like you're not full, it's because you've removed yourself. If you stay in the room at the feet of Jesus, you will be drenched and you will be saturated and he will be everything that you need. What room are you in today? Get in the room with Jesus. Get in the room where the presence of God is. Don't leave this place and go off and have your dinner and forget all about it. Get in the room with Jesus. And while we sing this song, this is what I want to happen. Don't get caught up singing the words. I'm over time, but bear with me, I'm not normally. I had another moment at conference and the preacher at the front said this. Put your hands out in front of you with a posture to receive and let God fill where you need to be filled. And as I stood there with my eyes shut, I felt something in my hands and across my palms here and it's not weird let me tell you the Holy Spirit is not weird if anyone makes the Holy Spirit weird it's people and I was stood there and I could feel in my hands something and it was warm and it was across my palms and I actually had to open my eyes to see if Barry had put something in it it was so heavy and there was nothing there and I just stood and I couldn't explain it but I just know I just know that the presence of God was with me like I'd never felt it before and God said to me I've given you a power for the season to come and he just keeps washing over me he can wash over you too And if you would, if you're hungry like Mary was, as a worship team, just sing this. I'm going to ask you to do what I was asked to do. Just close your eyes. Just put your hands out in front of you. And say, God, I'm ready to receive whatever it is you give me. I'm ready to receive because, Jesus, I just want to be in a room with you.